0: All right, here we are with our uh, first Olympic guest. Um, He comes all the way from England to Eugene and then now where he's based, training. Uh, We'll get into that in a little bit, but his name's Tom Farrell. Uh, Tom, you wanna say hi? Hi guys. And then of course we have our wonderful guest or our wonderful host, Michael Farmer, and then uh, a bunch of loaded questions that we
1: have. So Tom, one of the things that always interests me uh, when we talk to guys from overseas, is just the the club system growing up. So, can you kind of walk me through the club that you were a part of as a youth, uh, and and if you had other you know runners from that club that went on to to do you know professional running?
2: Um, yeah, you know, so I, I, I've been pretty much brought up around my club. Uh, my mom and my dad both competed for the same club, at, at, um, what I describe as a domestically decent level. My, my dad was a a 344, 1500 meter, 14, 13, 5K guy. So um, works. both work full-time. My mum was a high jumper. She went to the Commonwealth Games. So from the age, I, from, from as long as I can remember, I've always been down at the, the track, the local track, on, on whether it be training nights, even the he's a football, three, four-year-old. Um, and then also the local meets when people will be competing. I think I started training, well, not training. It was more like I would go to the club nights when I was like nine. I don't call it training, it was more just fun but running around in circles. Sure. And yeah, so I I grew up with it pretty much. Um, I'm still part of the same club, I haven't changed, I haven't moved, Uh, and I think the club system is a great platform for a lot of people. Whether you are an up-and-coming junior or a youngster and you need people to compete against all ages and all abilities, it's great. If you are um, say a maybe just out of university college and you're maybe not quite good enough to be professional but you're working part-time or full-time you've still got the opportunity to race um against against some decent people Um, and also then later on later on in life too you can use it as as a platform to meet other people or masters and running and, and clubs and stuff but i think it's great um I do think uh, this is a much deeper conversation, but I do think the combination of the British club system and then the American collegiate system would work hand in hand because when you finish college over here, collegiately, and if you don't go pro, yeah, there are very little options. There are very little options for competitive track running, road races. You can get pretty much every weekend across every city in the US, um, which is great. But as far as track and field goes or the athletics or we call it at home there are very minimal opportunities for that um, certainly on a team basis so I think if you could combine the level of the NCAA over here which is incredible and then add that once people leave so, I mean I know a lot of my teammates were 14, 30, 40 guys which in the club system at home is really good they're winning races yeah. um, and it's a reason for them to keep training and maybe work but also keep training and enjoying the sport that they love doing through college so um, I, I am a massive fan of the club system and I think there's, uh, he, he's going through a bit of change at the moment at home and it might not be perfect but um, it's, I've certainly benefited from it in the past uh, but as far as other athletes that have come from Border of Harriers um, certainly in more recent times um, he's not a runner but he also went to Oklahoma State he's a
0: hammer thrower his name's Nick Miller okay. um, he's a British record holder in the hammer throw Arthur. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she's she's from the same club that I am. Um, I I I will take a slight bit of credit. I encourage her to start running on my, my <laughs> so I'm taking a,
0: I'm
2: taking a little bit of that pie. Um but yeah, so I mean we've we've also had some older people too in the past now, who are now older um, that have gone through and who have competed for us. But as far as local people, um there's a couple of really good up and coming youngsters. Um I don't know how well you know the the delay, but an athlete just finished at Oklahoma State. Her name was Abby Hetherington. She was like an eight fifteen girl. Um, she's from Carlisle. She's from Michael as well. So we've had some we've had some pretty good athletes and some pretty good exports. So I like to uh, for such a small place. I think we've had some pretty good uh, athletes come out of it.
0: Yeah, and so th- there's always that bridge there, that you were saying, that the club system there would uh, marriage very well with the NCAA system. And so, how did you kind of? Get picked up in the NCAA system, or Oklahoma State in particular.
2: Um, so my, my 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 decision to come to the states was very last minute. Really, it was I arrived in the US in two thousand and nine. Yeah, you ten know, years this August that I arrived in the US, um, but it probably wasn't until November, December time of two thousand eight that I actually started considering it as an option. Um, Back then, a lot of the stigma with the NCAA, certainly from Brits at home, a lot of the stigma was oh, don't go there. They'll just run you into the ground. You'll do too many miles. You'll, you'll race two times every week. And it's not good for your development. Yeah. And there was very few, there wasn't as many Brits at the time over here. So the, the people that were looking at around the time or just before me were like Hannah England at Florida State, Tom Lancashire. Yeah. yeah. Um, people that spring to mind, but there's obviously there's obviously some more. There wasn't just two, <laughs> um, but one of the other Brits who was there was Lee Carey, who was a Providence, and I was really only kind of talking to Providence um, and, um, and Coach Tracy up, up there. So, and then in February, I got an email from Bobby Lockhart, Oklahoma State, and I didn't know anything about the NCAA. I got ridiculously lucky. Uh, I, chose Oklahoma, I chose Oklahoma State on a whim. Um, rather than Providence. I just I didn't even look at like I had no idea that I was going into what turned out to be like a powerhouse distance school for like <laughs> those four or five years I was there. Right. Don Cosby, Colby Lowe, Jonathan, uh Giovanni right. um, Sasha, Kerbal Arasa, Shadracky, like I mean, the group that we had were, was insane. I had no idea that was gonna happen and how good that meant. I didn't know what winning and NCAA like team title meant, I knew nothing about it. My theory going to Oklahoma State was I'm not signing like a four year deal so if I don't like it, after a year I'll just go home and I'll just start university a year late. Um, So yeah, so Bobby sent my third email in February of 2009 and I was in Stillwater, Oklahoma August 2009 and I didn't visit.
1: Um, So yeah, that was how I ended up in the States. Nice. And had you been to the U.S. before? Uh, Yes, but like
2: Sparingly, Um I think When I was two or two, I went to uh, <laughs> Disneyland With my parents of Which I don't think I remember anything <laughs> And then a couple times Being Probably between the ages Of 15 and 18 But As far as like We uh, Most of the time We Holidayed Or vacationed Um
1: So uh, coached by Dave Smith at Oklahoma State, Uh, you know, he's a a prominent figure in uh, collegiate coaching, Uh, kind of what did you think about his philosophy, what are things you learned from him and and things maybe, you know, you took away from that experience? I mean, yeah,
2: I I massively rate Dave as a coach Um, and we're still pretty close now, I don't talk to him all the time, but whenever we're in the same city. um, We'll meet up and have food or coffee. Or uh, if fun. But sometimes I go back to very rarely. But I'll go, if I go back to Stillwater i to see him. And I would say that we're still pretty close. I mean, without a doubt, I wouldn't be where I am today. In my opinion, I wouldn't be where I am today without Dave um, and his kind of knowledge and his, his his coaching of me and his development of me between arriving into Stillwater, Oklahoma as a 352 1500 meter guy and leaving as a 341 thirteen fifteen guy, you know, I mean that, yeah. that, that transition in those four and a half years was um great. I think his his philosophies are good. I think they they, they it's a good transition period from kind of eighteen year old um coming out of high school or school and then kind of transitioning into a collegiate world. He doesn't just bang you on a hundred mile a week. He takes that curve slowly and makes sure that he make you make sure I remember one team meeting at the beginning of the year, this this obviously stuck with me. It was it was like look whatever you were kind of average last year for your mileage I want you to increase it by 10% um, for this year now and it doesn't mean that like if you were doing 70 mile last year I don't want you doing 77 mile this week and then 77 mile the next week if it means you do 72 or 73 and see how your body feels 74, 75 and then you slowly increase up I think he, uh, he got us very fit uh, for uh, for a couple two or three times a year really we, we obviously ran really well in November he got, then got us ready again for February-March time uh, for England in- indoors and again again for outdoor season so I think he, he managed that really well for a group of university students who would disappear at home at Christmas and, and, and kind of disappear at home in the summer as well he, he kind of he managed to hold on to us and turn us around and probably get the best out of us that, we, that he could at the time so yeah I respect him a lot and I still encourage anybody to go to Oklahoma State um, to be coached by Dave because I think he's, he's certainly top class.
0: Nice. Yeah. And do you think uh, at Oklahoma State is where you found like which event you were passionate about or was it maybe after college?
2: No, I think it's. I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely fast-fired Um I mean, it was a bit of an accident really, but I mean, I, I think when you look at track and field, certainly in running events, I think Griffity uh, pretty pretty much a failed 100-meter sprinter, right? Unless you're in the 100, because...
1: Hey, everybody wants, to, do that, everybody wants to
2: be a sprinter you just keep moving up until <laughs> you find your event yeah. um, I mean if I could if I could train as hard as I do and I'm sure the sprinters train just as hard as I do but if I could do that and only race for 10 seconds whew, <laughs> um, I'm in but, uh, but yeah so I, I remember just I got a really good block of training in, in 2011 and I opened up with a 1500 I believe at Arkansas like it was Arkansas Twilight Beach type thing Um. Which I love going to be because I'm such a nerd and a
1: geek. I love talking to John McHale. Record. Yeah. Um, so it's a I mean, nice track too. I like that say facility. Say that again. It's a nice track too. Their their uh, their facility there. They're, they have like a, a loop in the woods there, right uh, nearby that track, and it's it's a great place to go watch a you know yeah, a lot of high level. It was a it's a bit, a
2: bit of a climb up from the track. We went to cool down there once, and I vowed never to go back because it's such a hill to get there. But it, <laughs> yeah, it is a really good loop in the woods. Um, but yeah, so it was it was almost, Arkansas was almost like our home. Our home meets. We'd go there for cross. We went there a couple of times indoors. We'd go there a couple of times outdoors. And I remember one time standing talking to John McDonald I'm pretty sure my warm up ended up ended up getting a pretty, cut cut really short because I was just talking to him and I forgot that I had to go warm up. Um, but yeah, in 2011, I got a really good block of training and opened up with the 1500 that I believe I won. Oh, maybe. But I remember, I think it was the race where, I think, if I'm right, um, there was myself, Dorian O'Reilly, Chris O'Hare, John Fernandez, wow. um, to name a few and, uh,
0: what back say? No one's going to look this up.
2: I am really hope this is right but I'm, I believe I won that race and I was like I, it was, I, I just have strength you know like 3.41 it wasn't a quick race maybe 3.42 um, but just kind of those boys kind of went a bit early and I managed to claw the back down the home straight and, and it was a little bit a bit of a shocker for an opener to beat the calibre of athletes that they are obviously it wasn't, it wasn't a quick race it was probably the perfect race for me if it was a 3.40 race because a bit of, of wiped the floor of me type thing Yeah, um, but yeah so then going into the Peyton Jordan, um, I think it was yeah, it must have been the Peyton Jordan 2011. It was Peyton Jordan going into that, and Dave just kind of we were in a conversation, had a conversation one day, and he's like, "Do you want to try a 5k?" And I was like, "Yeah, why not?" And it just like a it, we didn't think that I was going to do a 5k for the rest of the year, we, you know? What I mean, it was just like, "Oh well, look, you, we know that you're qualified type thing, so you're probably getting to regionals without 1500, so you might as well just do a five now." Um, and I don't know whether you guys remember it, but I, it was that race where Besky ran oh, about 13:20 yeah, 20 odd elliot heath was second and i was third i ran 13:26, 26 so i went from like i think about 14 minutes that day to 13 26 um uh, and so then that was it i think it was clear at that point that well yeah you're not a 1500 meter anymore um <laughs> yeah and yeah and then that that, that that from that point on it was the chase for the Olympic standard the next year, pretty much. So, yeah, that was a point at which I would say that it became quite clear that I was going to be a 5K guy at least for now, or certainly then. Um, but I still wanted to kind of try and drop my time a little bit in the 1500 too.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's good to, you know, drop down and do the shorter distances and some over distances, obviously, as a part of training. You know, I'm sure that, that grind that you had at Fayetteville helped prepare you for Peyton Jordan in the 5K. Um, that, while we're on Oklahoma State, I know it's poor form to uh, you know to talk about other people like on the team when we're interviewing you, but because you know German's kind of a you know has this aura in the U.S. and you know there's been stories about his you know some of his talent and, and um, you know obviously injury problems over the years. But as as a teammate, I mean, was it, I mean, did you see something that was abnormally talented or or kind of how do you get a read on uh, German as a runner in college? Oh, I mean, some of the things I saw him do
2: were incredible. Um, Some of the things things he did to me were incredible. Um, But, I mean, just an extremely nice down-to-earth guy um, would help anybody and everybody didn't he wasn't. He didn't put himself on a different level because of who he wore, like because of his results in race running. He, he was just another normal guy. We had a lot of that at Oklahoma State. Yeah, you'd it, it, have been. There were so many good athletes across different events, whether it was ten k, five k, fifteen hundred. You couldn't really be the, the, the like the, the the cocky team leader because someone else would put you down, or the next workout you'd be crushed, or right. just, mm-hmm. depending on what the workout was. So whether it was somebody nailing you on a 10 mile tempo or an 8 mile tempo or then somebody taking it to you a couple of days later doing 200s or horns on the track you know there was never there couldn't never really be a, the top of the cream of the cream of the, the creme of the, the creme, de creme I guess but no German's a great guy I, I do feel um, I don't, I don't want to say sorry for him but I, I, I do feel that like the amount, you Americans certainly put a hell of a lot of pressure on him um, <laughs> and I don't know whether he felt that but
1: yeah I wouldn't so, I wouldn't when, disagree <laughs> with that <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I don't know whether it affected him or not. It's something we never talked about because I mean, it's how do you how do you approach that in a conversation? Right. But he he, I mean he, I believe he's not really there anymore. Um, he's down back near home, I think in California, where he's, where he's from. But yeah. yeah, no, a great guy. I had a great. I think I crossed over with him for three years. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't. I mean, some of, I, he he put he put like laps into me or like seconds into me in a workout and he wouldn't even be sweating. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, great guy, an incredible athlete.
0: Yeah, awesome. And then uh, moving forward after OSU, what uh, what options did you have uh, professionally or whether you wanted to go professional or not?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, the realistic view that I took going, in, going into Oklahoma State, my, my, my parents obviously had a, a lot of input on my career based on, because their knowledge of track and field is, is, is great and they understand it, so my mum's the the two different people, my mum and my dad, my mum, like like, oh, well done, you tried your best, keep going, keep going, like that thing, whereas my dad's the realist and going, look, I like kind of, say in college, it was like, look, if you're not running at least 1340 or 340, you haven't got a chance of going pro, so he'd have been the person to go, no, don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> you can't make it bro just get a real job
0: tough love
2: um, uh, yeah yeah but uh, like and I, and I accept i accept that and it might be hard to hear at the time but it's true obviously by the time i get to the end of my college career um it was clear that yeah like you, you've got a future in the sport if you want it or certainly for a few years who knows so yeah it was something that i wanted to do and it was something that um it was honestly it was the reason why i came to Oklahoma, when well came to the NCAA, i, I wouldn't have Come to the NCAA. Um, well, I had a lot better academic options in the UK rather than State. <laughs> um, no. um, not that. Not I actually learned a lot. I, I chose a degree that I really, I found really interesting. Certainly, my last two years when I started to actually get down to the to specifics, I double majored in entrepreneurship and marketing. So once I got down to the nitty-gritty stuff of, of like the real like honing in on the entrepreneurship and then the marketing side of it i loved it um and i learned a lot um but if i wanted to just kind of write something on my cv on my resume to say i went to this university i wouldn't have gone to oklahoma state
0: yeah
2: yeah i mean like when people ask me oh yeah like dave, dave is a massive person for academia um he put a lot of um emphasis on us we have to do well in school we had a study hall that you went to as freshmen. If, if you're, and it ever, if ever your your cumulative GPA dropped lower three you had to go back into study hall with the freshmen. So it was an, that wasn't like an encouraging factor to get you your GPA above three point oh. And it, mine was, and I'm, I'm great for it. But um, I will, I wouldn't hold back and say that like whenever, it, even in speed, even back in high school, I would say that my running came before my academia. Um, and and because my theory is you can only run until you're probably thirty five, thirty seven well, if you're lucky. Well thirty five if you're lucky, thirty seven if you're really lucky and you could always go back to school. So um that was kind of my theory on that. But uh, but yeah, it was something that I wanted to do. So my dad obviously he was like, Yeah, well let's give it a shot. And so I had a few options on the table, um but I was I'm such a I'm such a track geek that I like I knew who Mark was, Mark Rowland, he's obviously a British guy. Olympic medalist um, and I had a couple friends here who uh, one of them being Chris Thompson he was at Oregon truck club at the time he's another Brit and his now fiance Gemma Simpson a my so they were both coached for a long time and I knew Tom I just do racing him uh, I spoke to him a couple of time so yeah I had a couple options on the table I really only wanted to go to one place um, and once it became a viable option um I booked my ticket as quick as I could and flew out to Eugene pretty much.
1: Nice. I know it's, uh, you kind of alluded to the difficulty of, of making it as a professional runner and and um, people always constantly weighing other options. So in your time with Oregon Track Club, obviously you've had a, a lot of different teammates. Do you find that revolving door situation to be hard to, to find a training partner that's steady or does or that not really bother you much?
2: Um, it doesn't bother me really. Something that uh, I'm obviously re- I'm really lucky. I've got I've had I've always had a good kind of my group hasn't really changed that much. So maybe that's part of it. Because it, yes, although from the outside it looks like OTT does it, 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 it like or any group, it's a revolving kind of um, merry-go-round of athletes jumping on and jumping on But um, like a uh, you know that a dog. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's his vicious uh, weenie dogs here that, that are really exciting. Oh, the Jess,
2: are they Jesse's dogs? Yeah.
1: Do you, uh, <laughs> Do you have I remember, any dogs? I remember Winston and Lily. Re- no, I remember. I remember
0: Jesse's dogs though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you remember those crazy guys?
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, maybe it's because like when I first arrived here, I had Hassan, Reed, Ben, Bug, and those two are still here. You know. Um okay. There were some other people around at the time that would kind of jump in our uh, workouts, but my core of kind of the people who I train with is kind of say the same. So maybe it's because that hasn't really changed. But, but in the professional world, it's very, very individual. Um, certainly the way Mark coaches, yes, we might work out together. But if Mark writes my plan and then Mark writes Hassan's plan, for example, and there isn't anywhere that me and Hassan can cross over to work out together, we just don't work out together. It's not yeah. like one person, What he writes a put to work out to one person and then everybody does them. It's very individualized. So training partners is great they massively helping workouts and yeah it's fun and sociable to run with them on runs but um, I wouldn't like to become reliant on them um, and I'd like to think that I'd be able to do the training on my own um, even without them so I mean look they're a massive help it's, it's amazing it's a luxury not having to lead every rep on your own or if it's three you lead, you lead a third of the workout which is amazing but um, it's certainly something that uh, I, d- I don't think people should be become reliant on because of me. we're different people you know animal am um, happy different animals to me um so we can't always do the same workouts because you need to do different stuff than i do and vice versa
1: yeah that's interesting yeah so are you the only one in flagstaff from the team right now or are there several of you there sorry say that one more time you broke up at the beginning uh are you the only one from the team in flagstaff at the moment or are there several of you
2: no pretty much all of us are here okay. um yeah, I believe everyone is here, so it's, it, we all got here on Sunday, Monday, so this is week one, we've got our first kind of, first session uh, down in Sedona tomorrow, so I'll probably be dead tomorrow afternoon by about lunchtime, 12 noon, um, but, uh, but yeah, so we're here for five weeks, which is great, and it's kind of like an early stint, we've come early, but it's obviously a long year, so we're just kind of using it as a a bit of a kickstart to the uh, um a good place, results come together comes are great, you know, it, it gets people together. Um and it's uh it's nice to get away from Eugene and get some sunshine, even if even if it's cold.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and if we maybe rewind like four years ago or so, uh, or three years ago just before the Olympics, like what was the how's that journey lean up to uh, Rio twenty sixteen and then maybe talk a little bit about your expectations going in and then a little bit of the results and, and what kind of came about. Yeah,
2: so I, I got lucky, really. Um, I got my qualifying times for the Olympic year, I got them in 2015. Um, when I was running really well, I ran that year on 1310, I ran, 13, 10, I ran 13, 17. Um, I qualified for the final in 2015, um, didn't run very well in the final, but we kind of exceeded expectations in 2015. So going into 2016, I was in a really good place. Um, I had a really good winter and I ran a big PR, big PB indoors on 7.42 in the indoor 3K. So I was in a really good place in February. And then things started to drop off and go downhill. Um, We couldn't put a finger on it, but we knew things weren't quite right. Uh, But still came to altitude and still kind of went through the boxes of all the training that we needed to do and things were looking okay. I ran 1327, I believe, at Oxy, which wasn't terrible. It was my first race this season, so whatever whatever kind of thing. But still we just I just knew things weren't quite right. So managed to scrape through the British trials, finished second, which gave me selection for the Olympics, which was obviously a proud moment becoming an Olympian once I got to Rio type thing. But we kind of knew all well along that I wasn't the same person I was a year ago. So as far as ex- as far as expectations go, Obviously, the words that were coming out of my mouth were, yeah, like, I'll, I'll race, I'll do this, I'll, I'll try, I'll, like, I'll want to make the final, but I knew that, like, I was in 13-10 shape the year before and I made the final. I knew I wasn't in 10 shape in 2016, so I knew it was going to be very hard to make the final. And What happened in Rio, we were kind of, a, it wasn't a shock. Um, a lot of people might have like, thought, oh, no, like, I'm really badly. I mean, it looked bad because how far behind I was, but really, it wasn't really a shock to me. Yeah. Um, so it took me quite a long time to get over the the disappointment of competing kind of, it wasn't so badly, but it, it, a couple of percent when you're at the elite level is a massive amount. And it, it's the difference of like be making the final and not making the final. So even, yeah. if, I was in, even if I was operating at 97 98%, those, that 2%, I mean, do the massive. I don't know if you've ever worked out 1% of a 5K, it's, it's a massive drop or a 10K, or even yeah. 4% in the marathon <laughs> um, but uh, but I mean it, they're, they're huge they're huge numbers really so you know a couple of percent down that's going to look magnified on the world stage like that so it was disappointing and it took me a long time to wrap my head around and I had some. Where, I'm, where I am really proud of being an Olympian, but I still would like to. Com- I, I still want to go to the an
0: Olympics and perform better because I didn't perform well at the first Olympics. You know. Yeah, you want um, to do it like nah, I, you have. If
2: I, if I never make an Olympics again, then I'm like great. I'm an Olympian. I've got been there, got the t shirt, got the type thing. But um, it, but I, my drive at the moment is I want to be. A, I want to make an Olympic Olympics because I want to perform better as well as I can, as, as well as I know I can. Um, so it was hard but at the same time it wasn't a shock because it wasn't like it wasn't like oh I, we didn't prepare well, we kind of knew that it wasn't yeah. going to go great so and then that was kind of the beginning of where I've kind of gone MIA for the last couple of years it, it kind of just like underlying medical issues really in my body, bloods and stuff so it's taken us a long time to I don't know whether we really got down to an answer uh, but really just, I, got to the point where I was like look I don't from great teams around me. Or, I we work with a science recovery team out based out of, originally out of London, but they're now in LA. these five weeks of flag stuff should give us an indication of where my outdoor season can go um, so yeah so it's, it's been a long time since the Olympics I haven't really put a full season in
0: since then to be fair um, but uh, but yeah I'm certainly looking, get, looking forward to getting back and kind of trying to nail a good season again yeah and we're excited for that